Hello world and welcome to another Millennial Outliers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Deal, with my man, Tyler Ardrin. Ty Guy, how are we doing today? Dude, I am doing great. Usually I say good. So today I'm doing awesome because this is our first ever live recording. Uh, we're here at Death of the Fox in Clarksboro, New Jersey. So shout out to Chuck Garrity for letting us do it here. Um, this is our holiday special episode. So we got a ton of guests coming on. We got four guests, uh, which Justin's going to get into here in a second. But um, like I said, this is our first time doing it. We're super excited to do it. Uh, we'll see how it goes because, you know, we talked about maybe doing these in the future. Absolutely. And this, uh, you know, we have a little, little different feel as well. So we added some philanthropic efforts to this one. Uh, so we have uh, Toys for Tots and Ronald McDonald House that will be benefiting from this. So we appreciate everybody who's uh, shown up to support. So we have about 70, 75 people in the room right now and uh, about to get into it and have some fun. So let's officially kick it off. Our first guest, none other, the woman, the myth, the legend, Jen <laughs> Groover. Uh, so Jen is a very successful entrepreneur, an amazing master networker, and she gives a ton of great speeches around mindset and elevating yourself. So with kicking off you know, year end and getting ready for the new year and the new year, new me, and all these things people talk about, it really starts with mindset. So Jen, why don't you explain a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, well, thank you for having me and I'm happy to see everyone here. And uh, mindset is really everything, but even beyond mindset, it's, it's this desire to have self-mastery. And self-mastery begins with mindset and constantly evaluating, auditing your beliefs, your behaviors, and then course correcting. It's not a path of perfection at all. We're not perfect people. We're always gonna have flaws. But the more self-aware we become, the more aware we become of our thoughts that we're thinking, the words that we're choosing, the behaviors and habits that we have on a daily basis, the more we can say, is that hurting me or helping me? Should I change that behavior? Should I change that belief? Because I keep getting a dead end. And if you keep getting a dead end or an, an undesired outcome, probably need to change a belief or behavior in order to get a different outcome. And that's one of the biggest lessons I teach people is whatever outcomes you have right now that you don't like, there is one million percent undoubtedly beliefs that you have that have to change in order for the outcome to change. The reason for that is all of your behaviors are attached to a belief. You can't change the outcome without changing the belief first. The belief changes the behavior. So I always use the example. We all know what happens on January 1st each year. New Year's resolutions. We know what the gym looks like January 2nd each year. And we then know what the gym often looks like January 21st each year. Why is that happening? Why are people making these resolutions and they really have commitment to that desire? but they don't sustain it because they never changed the belief that got them to want that changed behavior to begin with. So we have to audit, for example, in, in that uh, gym example, what is it that keeps me from wanting to get to the gym every day? Well, a lot of times people will say, well, I hate exercise. Well, if you hate exercise, your brain's going to say, don't go, it's painful there. So how do you change that belief and create a better value proposition of a new behavior to get a new outcome. And, and that's a that's an hour-long lesson in just a few seconds, but self-mastery is what people should be seeking in that new year. The best, best year for the best you is really about 
becoming committed to being your best version self and auditing on a daily basis, figuring out what it, what was the day like and how could I have done better at the end of day, having it be a ritual. And at the beginning of each day, having a list of things you want to accomplish and things you want to do, such a simple thing. And I always take for granted because I'm such a list maker, how many people try to achieve new levels of goals without making lists. Such a simple thing, but so profound. Crossing that off, crossing things off on your list actually says to your brain, success, success. So your brain then becomes addicted to success throughout the day. So it's one little habit that can make a profound change. But at the beginning of the day, evaluating what do I need to accomplish? walking through the day so you can predict what could go wrong, so you can circumvent it before it happens. And if it does happen, which things do, you're more prepared to handle controversy or conflict or something not going your way so that you can emotionally sustain those moments. And that's another big goal is emotional equanimity throughout your day. When we maintain emotional equanimity, we can contain our emotions, therefore we can overcome obstacles a lot more easily. I love that. Now, I've been fortunate enough to hear you speak before, and I love your the metaphor of the hot air balloon. So for folks who maybe have gotten past the first level but are, are rising, as you'll talk about in a second, can you, can you go over that metaphor for everybody? Sure. I say that personal success is like riding on a hot air balloon. When you first take off, you make a decision. I want to ride in this hot air balloon, and I want to go higher and see the the world differently. And that's basically what we do when we decide I want more self-mastery. So when you're taking off, you have to get rid of what? Sandbags. Sandbags are symbolic of your stuff. Your stuff are your beliefs and behaviors that are holding you down on the ground and keeping you from elevating. And so once you make that decision and you get rid of some of the sandbags, you get to a new height. So I always use Central Park as an example because most people can identify with that. If you always walk through Central Park and you look up the trees, you have one perspective of Central Park. But let's say you get in that hot air balloon, you get above the trees, now you have a new perspective. You'll never see Central Park the same way again because you have a new lens. Perspective, understanding of perspective, the power of perspective is one of the most important tools to changing your mindset and beliefs to change your life. And so now you have this new perspective and you're hovering above the trees in Central Park and then you get kind of bored. So you're like, all right, I want to go to the next level. Well, what do you have to do? The same exact thing that you did to begin with. Go back and evaluate what beliefs and behaviors are holding me here at this level. Get rid of those. A lot of times people think improving their life means adding so much more into it and making it more complicated and, and difficult. The reality it is improvement is really about getting rid of the things that are holding you back, those beliefs and behaviors. I'll say it over and over again. And so when you then say, I want to go up again, you go back to the same things. Now what beliefs and behaviors are holding me back? And so that hot air balloon process just is repeated over and over again. And that's human behavior. We make things so much more difficult than they need to be. But if we look into the simplicity of human behavior, then it, then it doesn't feel so overwhelming to make small changes, to make monumental changes. 
Absolutely. And that was honestly, it was a game changer for me when I heard you say that because I was one of those people that constantly thinned my bandwidth, right? I tried to just do more and do more. And I realized after you said that, man, it really is. I need to stop doing things. I have to get things off my plate. I have to delegate or I just have to completely get rid of that. And it it's definitely drastically changed my life in the last two years. So just I appreciate you for that. Always. I love hearing that. Thank now, you. Why don't you go into a little bit about emotional intelligence as well? Because I think that's such a it's a superpower. It's something that most people don't have. Uh, so can you just speak on that a little bit? Yeah. So emotional intelligence, I always say, is like muscle building. I, I use the term emotional equanimity. That's the ultimate goal. Um, emotional intelligence is the ability to be able to analyze your thoughts in conjunction with your emotions and be able to maintain control of your emotions based on the power of your mind. That's the, the most simplest form. It's very layered. Um, we talk about trauma all the time, unhealed trauma that can lead to triggered emotions. Um, but the beginning emphasis of understanding emotional intelligence is understanding your thoughts control your emotions and your emotions control your behaviors, which can be self-sabotaging or really good depending on your ability to, to connect your mind and your emotions together. And so the more we can practice emotional intelligence by understanding when we're triggered, pause, take a deep breath, don't react to something. Say to yourself, I want to respond, I don't want to react. There was a great movie that I watched when I was getting started on this journey of emotional intelligence. And it was The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, which is a book as well. And in that, it's like Karate Kid. There's a student and there's a teacher, the, the mentor, the, the savvy, wise man who says to the student, when the student reacts to something, he looks at him and goes, fools react, warriors respond. And I was like, wait, I want to be the warrior. I don't want to be the fool. I've seen a lot of foolish behavior, reactionary behavior in life. I want to be like that warrior who stood still and calm in the midst of chaos. And that became a goal to me in my journey to become more emotionally intelligent. And I share it with others because it's a very clear image of the foolish behavior versus the reactionary behavior. And that kind of really sums up emotional intelligence as well as learning to respond to life instead of react to life. And the more we can do that, the more that we will get more of what we want. The whole reason I created my book, The More Method, because I realized that the more emotionally intelligent we become, the more self-aware we become, the more we get out of life. So the more we become, the more we get. Not talking material things. Mm -hmm. Material things will come, but more joy, fulfillment, fulfilling relationships, success, in all terms of success. And, it begins with going back to that first statement I made is self-mastery and understanding perspective too. I mentioned perspective in that hot air balloon. We get to choose at every single moment how we want to see something. It's very powerful. There's a saying that I, I teach people all the time, nothing has meaning until you give it meaning. You're offended, guess what? You just gave your power away. You're mad at somebody, guess what? You just gave your power away. You get to choose the meaning in every moment. And people will try to like defend 
their reactionary behaviors and say, well, that person stole from me. That person cheated on me. That person did this to me. But what meaning are you giving it? Are you giving your power away or taking power back? Those are your only two choices. Are you giving your power away, taking your power back? Are you letting this thought hurt you or help you? Is it lifting you up or bringing you down? Those are literally your two choices. And so when people start to understand that, I say, let your ego work in your favor. If, if you need to be right, then be right in a good way that helps you, doesn't hurt you. Choose to give a meaning that's empowering you instead of giving your power away. Somebody stole from you, well then obviously they had a hole or a gap in their own soul and being that they had to do that. Or someone cheated on you, that's their stuff. It's not your stuff. So give it a different meaning. And when you give it a different meaning, you become a different person. You know, I use the example of my childhood. I had a brother who was only 11 months older than me. We grew up in the same exact childhood. There was a, quite a level of dysfunction. And my brother, who again, only 11 months older, gave it a meaning that made him a victim. The same exact experiences, he became a victim, he became angry, he became entitled. Same exact experience, I was like, wow, that was training ground for success. Taught me to be resilient, independent, self-sufficient, agile. And so here we lived, it was the case study in my own home, living the same experience, giving it two different meanings, two completely different outcomes in our, how we live our lives. Absolutely. That's actually something my mother talks about a lot because she had lost a lot of people at a young age. Her, her brother died at two right in front of her. Her father died when she was like six. And then one of her other brothers overdosed in her early 20s. And she always said a lot of people she meets when that happens, they give the meaning that don't love, don't get close to people because they all die or leave. Right. Where she's the opposite. She's like, I'm going to love hard. I'm going to take advantage of every second that I get to spend with people. And again, it's same experience for people within her family, but two completely different stories and meanings. And two different outcomes because of the stories and the meanings. I mean, massive life change happens when you decide to change the stories of your past. Give it a new meaning and you become literally a new person from that moment forward. Yeah, Tony Robbins, change your story, change your life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jen, that was a, a beautiful way to kick things off. We appreciate your time so much. And Thank can you, you let anybody know who's looking to follow you? How can they connect with you, Jen? Yeah, sure. I'm very active on social media. My name is Jen Groover. It's J-E-N-G-R-O-O-V-E-R, not to be con confused with Grover or Gruber or any of those <laughs> other traumatizing words from a childhood. Um, but I'm very active on social media. I love engaging with people and answering questions and, and guiding people on a path of other authors to follow, other podcasts to follow as well. So look forward to it. Well, Jen, awesome. thanks so much for thanks kicking so much, us Jen. off. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> so while we're uh, waiting on our next guest to come up, um, I figured why don't we just kind of recap sure. our biggest takeaway. My biggest takeaway with that um, self-mastery and everything Jen went over was being self-aware, right? Knowing, taking account what you do in a daily basis, what you're doing, everything like that. And it seems like everything that you went over goes back to being self-aware. So many people get in that rut of, you know, just wake up, go to work, go home, you know, and just kind of that rut of keep going. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, Jen spoke to, you really taking into account what you're doing, making those lists, crossing them off. I know personally, I do that as well. And, um, you know, there's an app right on your iPhone and you just check the thing and it just crosses it off, disappears. Um, so that, that was my biggest takeaway. What was yours, Justin? 
Mine's definitely, as I shared, I mean, it's the you know, growth is really through subtraction, not addition. I mean, that in itself, when you start to really look at all the things you invest your time in and you spend your energy on, you realize a lot of it is probably unnecessary or it's things that you're doing for the wrong reasons. Um, and Jen really opened my eyes to that. So I've really started to get rid of things in my life rather than constantly try to add them in. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we got the next guest here, Just Why don't you introduce us? Absolutely. So uh, we are kicking off with Charlie Morocco or Charles. I don't know which, how fancy you're being today. <laughs> uh, owner of CLM Advisors. Uh, Charlie, I always say one of the most beautiful financial minds that I know, an amazing person inside and out. And I knew that he'd be able to break down a very egregious topic, let's just say, and not the easiest to go over. Um, so Charlie, welcome first. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for having me. Of course. And let's kick in everybody's I'm sure favorite thing to talk about. It's forecasting. Yeah. Everyone right. here actually woke up and said, I have to hear Charlie Morocco <laughs> speak about forecasts. That was the big thing. I mean, Jen speaking about making yourself better. Come on. I mean, forecasting. But, What's better than well, that? Well, if they did it, they definitely should. Yeah. Hearing you. <laughs> no, and I think people will be taking notes. So sure. why don't we kick it off? It's a word that's thrown around a lot and people talk about it. But I think just like goals, it's they throw a word or a dollar figure out there with no actual action to back that up. So how how do you go about forecasting? Start with that, Charlie. Right. So uh, it's actually very similar to what Jen said. It's, it's, it's envisioning what you want. Like, where do you want to go? Where do you want to take... Oftentimes, people cut themselves short when they start forecasting. They think only of the current year. But the best way to do it is to think about your overall end. Where are you trying to drive to? What are you trying to get to for your family, for yourself, for your business, for your employees? And then breaking it down into a smaller piece, which is what are my plans for 2024, right? Where do I want to get to? How do I want to get there? How do I want to begin the journey to get to the end that is the place that I want to get to? And I think a lot of times people struggle with thinking really far down the line. It, it's hard to envision yourself sometimes five or 10 years if you're just starting off in your business or you just came off a, a hard year or a great year. Like how do you focus on that longer term? So the generally good spot is, and this is a good time to do it, just like New Year's resolutions, to start off with 2024. What is 2024 going to look like for me? What do I want to accomplish and how do I want to get there? And then, so how do we figure out what that end path looks like? So there are two ways to go about doing it, right? So you can either start with that end and work your way backwards. Um, and it's interesting. I, I, I like in this kind of thought, I, I love music. So you kind of think of music, right? Uh, Bernie Taupin and Elton John were great, uh, wrote some great music together. And Taupin wrote the lyrics and then Elton John put the music to the lyrics. Um, whereas another great band, Nirvana, right? Uh, David Grohl and, and, and the band members came up with some riffs, and then Kurt Cobain came up with the lyrics to it. So just like you could go at that two different ways, you can go at building a forecast two different ways. You can start with the end and try to work your way backwards to the beginning, or you could start at the beginning of where you're at and try to work yourself up to the end, right? And the key to to the musical part of it was their collaboration, right? They didn't just write a riff and then Kurt Cobain came up with words. He might have, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> they didn't come up with words for the music. They collaborated, they worked on it, and they got it to be perfect. Well, the forecasting that people hold themselves back from doing, oftentimes they overthink it. Mm -hmm. Just come up with either the end you want to get to or where you're at now and what you want to change 
and start to work in the journey. And all of a sudden, when those two things kind of hit each other and collide and there's differences and, that, and then you collaborate to get aligned, that's where, that's where the forecast really comes together. So, so again, so how do you collaborate and connect those two though? So we started with the, the beginning in mind, the end in mind, how do we kind of make that a whole picture? Yeah, yeah. It's like, is there data or, you know, if I, if I'm looking at the business, say I want to be at 10 mil, let's just say, I'm just throwing a random number out there. Um, but the data doesn't back that. Like, are you looking at, you know, the financials, all that stuff, historical data, market information? Yeah. So data is important right it, starting off with good data is always important but again i think what you really want to focus on and this is a lot like jen is is focus on that end right what is the end so the data do i want to build a business to 10 million dollars by the end of the year well where are you at this year i'm at 300,000. well that that you could do it but that's going to be awfully tough right how long do you want to get to your goal is another important thing when when do you want to achieve your goals do you want to achieve them by the end of the year if so what are the steps to get there? It's, you have to start to come up with a plan of action to get there. So it's beginning with what are my end goals in terms of numbers, and then looking at where are we at right now? What do my financials look like? Am I profitable now? Do I wanna be profitable, is that my goal? Am I hitting the sales goals I wanna do now? Are the sales goals my goal? Do I wanna scale the business? Do I wanna just retain profits? Have, am I happy? Where You have to think about what your goals are and then you can so people often try to jump forward and say oh let's put together the budget for everyone mm -hmm. well the budget's great but it's also static right it's a static document that says this is how much we're going to get in sales this is how much we're going to spend in cost of goods sold this is how much we're going to spend in marketing and overhead but what you really want to start to do is look at the components of those things uh the metrics behind what drives each one of those individual components and start to build on an idea of how are we gonna attain this? Can we obtain what we say? So oftentimes, when we start with people, they'll be like, okay, I got a goal of $10 million in sales. All right, where are you at right now? Eight million. Are you hiring any additional salespeople? No. Are your salespeople uh, busy? Yeah, they're, they're overwhelmed. Well, how are you gonna get the extra $2 million in sales if your salespeople are overwhelmed? Or, hey, I'm gonna get $10 million in sales. Can you handle it internally? No. Okay, well, what are you gonna to do to handle those sales? How do you go about handling it? How many people do you need to hire? You start to, all these questions that you start to ask start to happen. And once you start to put together a forecast, right? Um, the next thing you gotta do is practice with it, right? A budget sits there and, and people don't look at it. At the end of the year, they go, man, we were off from our budget. But a forecast is dynamic, right? So again, music, love music. Uh, the Beatles probably practiced 10,000 hours in Germany and wherever they were in Europe before they came to America, and then they hit the, the ground running. Well, if you want to do, have a good forecast, if you want to practice good fiscal management, you have to practice it, right? You have to do it over and over. Think about it. When most business owners, um, when they start a business, are usually very good at producing their product. That's how they got into it normally. Uh, unless they acquire the business, right? They're, they're good at producing their product. And then they learn how to produce it. And all of a sudden their employees are a little low on the amount of work they have. And they go, uh-oh, I got to go do sales. And, they, and they're passionate about it and they're excited about it. The thing that they don't really learn about, uh, most of them don't, because um, they went to the school of hard knocks, not to uh, <laughs> some finance school, is fiscal management, right? So, um, but if you think about it, they practiced delivering that product and that service a certain way for hours upon hours. And they had failures and successes, but they kept going forward. 
they did the same thing with sales. They went out in sales and they initially had some rejection and then they got a couple gains. We, as salespeople, we all know about that, right? Gains and, and, and losses. There's a lot of rejection in sales, but you keep doing it. The weird part about fiscal management, because we're not educated in it, we get frustrated with it easy. We go into it, we try it, we don't, we're not sure what to do, how to go about doing this, and then you give up on it. What does practice mean? Practice means taking that forecast and comparing it to your actual numbers, and then looking at it every month, religiously. Are the numbers that we put in our forecast correct? Are the assumptions that we made correct? You know, is our gross profit really 40%? Is, our, is the cost of our overhead really 20% that we thought it was? If not, what does that mean to getting our overhaul cold? Do we, do we not get there? Do we give up? No, you adjust. But that's where most people stop the practice, right? As soon as you run into a wall, they go, this isn't working. Let me get back to selling and doing that stuff. But the key is to fight through that because those assumptions are defining the metrics right, that, that define what the business is. And now you're starting to gather data and you're starting to get that forecast more and more close to what your vision and your dream is that we started talking about at the beginning. Once that starts happening, you start getting momentum. Well, now you can pass the momentum to your key managers, uh, line leaders, department heads of the business and say, here's some data. When we give people KPI, KPI right, key performance indices, we're starting to tell them, this is what the success means for you and your position, which also correlates what the success of the business is. And now we're getting on a roll, right? Now we got the employees on the same role as the owner, right? Well, in order to get that, you have to give them the data. One thing we do as business owners is we hold everything tight. We're afraid to tell people of our successes. Well, if I tell them how successful I am, they're going to want more money, mm -hmm. right? Or if I tell them how much we're, we're struggling right now, they might go look to get another job. But if you have the right culture, the right environment, you're going to give that information to your employees. You're going to let them run with it. They're going to be a part of that. And that's when now we're getting more momentum. We're, we're really accelerating to that end and we're starting to feel the momentum. There's excitement. There could be, there could be a road, there could be a, a, an obstacle that we hit. Well, but if we know what the end goal is, it's easy to remove the obstacle. It might sometimes be a big detour. We call that the, our fiscal GPS, right? You're going along, you're thinking where you want to go. And all of a sudden you hit that bump in the road and, and all right, well, does that mean we don't ever get there? No. If you think about it, if you're going to California and there's traffic on the Schuylkill, you're getting to California, right? It's, it's, it, there's just an alternative route that might take you an extra 15 minutes. Right. Those are the things that you really need to focus on. Once you get KPI and modeling and all that stuff, it's a well-oiled machine. Awesome. That's awesome. a great breakdown. So we've we've figured out the forecasting right we have the collaborative effort we're building momentum we're practicing we're sharing the whole thing with our our team you know that's all rolling downhill is that it it's forecasting we're done you're done no <laughs> <laughs> no it, it it's a continual process and it's and it's and it's rinse and repeat right it's the same it's the same type of process over and over again again i'll go back to sales i think a lot of people here obviously a business development event are are generally their mind thinks in a sales. But if you're thinking about that, if you're, if you're a little slow at the beginning, right, you have to, you, you can't just work harder. You need, to, you need to try to work smarter. What am I doing that's not allowing me to, to kind of get where I want to get to? Well, in the forecast process, it's the same thing. You have to constantly look at the data, right? And, and when you're comparing them, there's probably three things, there's, there's thousands of things that can occur, but there are probably three things that you're going to find out 
when you start that journey. Number one is your original assumptions were wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned 40% gross profit, but really it's only 30%. And the reason why is, is we weren't really thinking about what the cost of the employees was. We thought about their wage, but we didn't think about payroll taxes, Healthcare. health insurance, the, the computer that they sit at in the seat, the IT to pay for that. You start to get into all that and you go, wait, it costs a lot more than 60 cents on the dollar for me to perform this service or develop this product. So now I have to rethink it. And again, it isn't, it isn't a part where you have to give up. It's a part where now you're, 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 you're getting in even more granular, right? People often think like it's kind of like when uh, Jen was mentioning when you're working out and you, and you hit that pain spot. Uh, by the way, I hit that on January 2nd every year. So uh, <laughs> I got my third workout in, in 2023 and last week. So uh, I'm doing well with this with 2023. Build momentum, baby. 2024 will be different, I promise. Uh, no, but when you when you hit those bumps, those pains, th those are good things, right? You're finding out information that was already there in your business. It wasn't something you found out be or that happened because you did it. It was something you found out because you went forward and you took the risk of finding out more about your business. And, and that's, that's the exciting part of the journey. Once you start to accept that pain, right? No pain, no gain. You start to really kind of embrace the, the process. And then you can start to really, it, it, it's funny, in the end, it goes back to your vision again. Because once you start to get that momentum, you're starting to think more and you're like, well, what if we did this instead? Well, that changes your forecast into a projection, right? Mm -hmm. So think about it. I mentioned a budget. A budget is a, a series of numbers that say this is how much you can spend this year. And if we spend this much and we make this much, this is what we'll look like. A forecast is more like when you're, think about the weather, right? A forecast is generally what's going to happen in the next three to five days, right? You're looking at the weather forecast. You're finding out what's happening. So that's what a forecast is in finance. It's a shorter term period of time based on the events that are happening around us. A projection is, is like what they ever, ever see the spaghetti model in, in, a, in, a, in a hurricane, right? Those are projections. If this happens, if this happens, things, yeah. if this happens, this is what's gonna happen, right? That's different than the forecast, right? That means that a bunch of, when they do the forecast, they don't say these six things are gonna ha could happen. They give you one and we yeah. go, when they're, when they're off, we go, they're always wrong, right? <laughs> right, but with a, with a hurricane, they go, well, we can't be wrong. We can't give them one. We have to give them the projection. So then you start to, as you start to think about the things you want, you start to develop that forecast into a projection or projections. Mm -hmm. And now you have all these spinoffs of the possibilities that we can go to. And now, now the excitement starts to happen. The scaling of the business can start to happen because now you have good control with your forecast on the KPI and metrics. You have your people delivering that for you. And now you can throw in added things they're not afraid because they know what their job is they just know that hey this is going to get better our team's going to increase or we're going to bring in new lines of business with this acquisition this is exciting stuff so hopefully i answered that question i know i went off on a tangent that and was I great did i say it or what you do you have such a beautiful uh financial mind and a great way of articulating that um, so we definitely would greatly appreciate you being here part of this today. And if you're feeling a pain point or your head spinning from all the information that uh, Charlie just shared, definitely reach out to Charlie and CLM advisors. They will help you with that financial roadmap and ensure that both your forecasting and projections are on, on point. So Charlie, appreciate you today, my friend. Thanks Thank for you. being a part Thank of you. this. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for jumping on. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll uh, get our next guest up.
up here in a second. But oh, uh, about to bring the fire to y'all. Uh-oh. <laughs> what's, uh, Justin, what's your biggest takeaway there? Uh, I'm not going to lie, actually. I didn't realize there was a difference between projections and forecasting. <laughs> I thought they were I'm with you on that two one. words that were kind of <laughs> interchangeable. Yeah. So I, that was yeah. a big lesson for me. And as you can tell, I don't handle that part of our business. So. <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing for me was, um, like, you know, I'm making the forecast and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, looking at it on a monthly basis and going back to it um, is kind of what Charlie went over. Mm-hmm. You know, making it like a living, breathing, um, you know, uh, part of your business mm-hmm. to where you're going back to it, you're adjusting it, you know, and all that good stuff. So, um, so yeah, I think that was, I think that was great. Spot on Charlie. So uh, next up we have our guest here, uh, Michael Brennan. Um, he is a, he has a few businesses, um, but why we brought him on here is more of the health and fitness aspect of things. So um, just a little uh, background. i met Mike really through you, Justin, but on social media, I'd say for the most part, um, probably about three years ago around yeah. there. Um, and this guy, man, he gets after it. Um, you got to follow him on Facebook. We'll give you all the stuff at the end of this, uh, at the end of his interview here, but he gets after it. Um, he's an inspiration for many people, including I, myself. I, um, I got big back into health and fitness and everything around that time, probably three years ago. And um, like I told you, you know, before you got on here, um, just seeing you kind of get after it and everything, you know, lighted that spark in myself to, um, you know, the kind of like, oh, that guy's doing it. I can do it kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That competitive um, aspect of things. So um, Wait, real quick, I just, just want to jump into. So also, you know, with Mike, so I've known him for quite a while now. Uh, we've built a, you know, a really strong relationship together. And he's somebody that I, I really admire and look up to because I've seen what consistency, discipline and just, you know, keeping your word to yourself, what it can build. And that's exactly what he's done over the last two years, which we'll jump into. Um, but, you know, Mike has an amazing backstory. That's why I would highly recommend, you know, following him, anybody who's dealt with depression or any type of substance abuse issues. It's a lot of what Mike talks about pulling people kind of from the ashes and creating that Phoenix so you can rise again and create the life that is best for you by design. So yeah, so I to add that. So let's, you know, get right into it, Mike. Um, you know, it's getting here. At the, this is our holiday special. We're getting here at the new year and everything. And, I mean, it's already been brought up, I guess, like four times about health and fitness and getting to the gym and yeah, everything. don't yell at Charlie for only three <laughs> lifts this year. Yeah, well, with our We're going to fix that for 2024, no doubt. kind of hit on it. So, um, you know, naturally people are going to say, New Year's resolution, I want to get back to the gym. I want to start getting healthy, all that good stuff. Yeah. What can someone start to do to prepare for that you know here in the new year first and foremost um god is good amen i want to start with that god is good and um it's a blessing to be here it really is um and before i go any farther um there there is no mtf without this beautiful woman right here (laughs) michelle Um, yeah so Before I get into it, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of my background. So Michelle and I got married in uh, 2011. And I apologize in advance if I get emotional. This is a very emotional day for me. So please bear with me. Um, We got married in 2011. And the the, the man that I created up to that point in my life, um, he lived in fear. He was anxious all the time. He was depressed. He was angry. He was addicted. And um, I had no control over who I became. And uh, we 
on our honeymoon, she experienced me have uh, two panic attacks on our honeymoon. Um, so when we got back from the wedding, we had our pictures developed and I'm looking through the pictures and there's a picture of me at the bar. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. I have a cigarette in my mouth. I was probably smoking a pack a day back then. And I looked at the picture and some people might look at it and think, oh, it's, you know, guy's on his honeymoon. He's at the bar. He's, he's having fun. I was at the bar trying to feel better from what I did the day before. And that was the only way for me to relieve it. So I saw that picture and for the first time in my life, I said, you know what? I'm done with this. So from 2011 to 2017, cold turkey, quit smoking, no more alcohol, no nothing. And I really, at that point in time, just focused on my personal development, started reading books. Me and my father, who's here, we built a pretty kick-ass painting business. Um, so I was reading books on TJ's marketing, painting companies, marketing, sales, you name it. Anything I could get my hands on, I was engaging with uh, business owners through forums around the country to soak up knowledge. And um, 20, the, the business grew pretty quickly once we really like hammered down on it. And um, I went to a golf outing in 2017, I believe. And um, up to this point in my life, I wasn't really ready to admit that I was an alcoholic. Um, I just said I was done. And you know, built the willpower to not do it anymore and kind of avoided situations like this that always created anxiety for me. And it gave me just that, those negative feelings that I always ran from. I couldn't be in a crowd like this without drinking. That was the old version of myself, the old character that I created with my piss poor habits and no discipline. I have the blueprint for two men because I've created both. So went to that golf outing and I said, oh, you know, I started feeling a little anxious. I'm gonna have a couple beers. Well, next thing you know, I'm shit face wasted. And when you're an alcoholic, it's a progressive thing. You know, you can, one night you have a couple beers and then the next time, a couple's not enough. You need three more and then four. And then it's completely out of control. My father-in-law, um, Charles, he, uh, he was uh, diagnosed, sorry. I don't apologize, take my name, love the mission. He was diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer and uh, seeing him just wither away, man, destroyed me. And the, the alcohol just got out of control. It was out of control. And that went on until like, <clears throat> 2020 pandemic hit and um, I said to myself I woke up one morning and I'm not, I'm not going to get into how much I drank every night but it was just ridiculous and I woke up and I said that I, I knew that if I didn't do something very quickly I was going to die mm -hmm. right so um, I went searching I found a coach a personal development coach didn't even know they existed right? There's, there's trainers, there's, there's mentors, they're all, there's all different type, but a personal development coach. And uh, he, he basically called me a bitch. And I needed to hear that from another man that I respected, that, that built a man that I respected. He built a business that I had a lot of respect for. So hearing that from someone, 
you know, it, it woke me up. So for once in my life, I actually listened because up to that point, I had all the answers. You couldn't tell me shit. So I listened. And the most important thing that I learned right off the bat was everything about my day that I used to do was led and determined, dictated by my emotional state. So this word non-negotiable is all I kept hearing from this man, non-negotiable. Everything you do, it has to be non-negotiable. Men keep their word to themselves with everything. Um, so the first thing across the board was a non-negotiable early morning wake up. At that point in time, the alarm used to get smacked six or seven times in the morning because I would wake up and I'd literally be shaking from the night before. So I started uh, right around six o'clock and it's crazy because I built momentum. Seven days, I kept my word, I'm waking up. Now I'm, I, I'm getting some confidence. So I push it back to 5.30. Within a month, I landed on 3.10. I woke up every single day at 3.10 for two years straight, I'd miss a day. Upon waking, I would go right down to my garage, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, anything I could to create that positive mental attitude. That's how I started my day, because I never wanted to see her or them in pain again. Um, so, I mean, there were so many fucking days. I woke up and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is pointless. The more I did it, and the more I committed to myself, I got the vision for MTF. I started seeing life differently. I started having a confidence about me that I never knew existed because I never gave myself the chance. I was living a life that was completely out of alignment. And if you're not familiar with what alignment is, a lot of people, they, they experience anxiety, they experience depression, and all the negative shit. And all these are is notifications from your higher power that you are out of alignment. So once you get yourself into complete alignment, for me, it starts, if I miss my wake up, which I never have in three and a half years, if I do, my brain starts talking shit to me and it eats me alive. Once I mastered the wake up, then I mastered the diet. You put the two together with the training, the reading, the meditation, the hot baths, the cold showers, the, the eliminating toxic people from your life. And the more you elevate yourself, the more you can point these people out and it doesn't become so hard to say no. No, that doesn't suit me. No, that is not gonna better me or my family or my friends. So I don't allow people like that in my life. When I was younger, a lot of my friends were drug dealers. The only thing I deal now is hope for people that have none for themselves. Because I know what it feels like to wake up in the morning and have zero confidence and just be lost, lost. So as much as I fear doing stuff like this, I run towards it, man. I run towards it because I know when I'm done, I'm gonna be like, yes. And I'm gonna give somebody else confidence that used to be in the position that I was. And I tell myself when I come here, and it, and it helps me, it helps calm me down. This isn't about me. This is about somebody in this room 
or somebody else that might see this that might go, shit, man, if he did it, I could do it. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be here. Hospital numerous times, literally dead. Not supposed to be here. So for me to change, it's possible for anybody. And that's what, uh, that's what MTF is all about. Self-awareness, overcoming your fears, and just creating a man that you're proud of, that your family is proud of, that your friends, your wife, everybody. That's what it is to me. I love so, it, man. I, I love that. So one thing you talked about there, I call it it's the bison mentality. So whether you know this or not. but run into the snow. That's exactly right. They know the storm's coming, and they know the best way to get through it is to just go through it because that's the quickest way. If we continue to run from it, it's just going to constantly be in the rearview mirror. And I also love that you said one of the biggest factors I think people miss when they're trying to make a big change is you have to tie it to pain. Pain is one of the only things that really pushes you to do something. That's where a lot of my, the health journey started when we really met. It was the pain of realizing I was not a sufficient father. I didn't have the energy for my wife, for my friends, for my kids. And, you know, that killed me on the inside. When I looked at it as somebody who loves to give, yeah. I realized I was only given like 50% of what I really had to offer. So I needed to make a change in that. Yeah. And you were, you were definitely instrumental in a lot of that just seeing what you did every single day. And you're the reminder now, because obviously I've fallen back off and I'm gonna build back up. But it's just seeing, like you said, you have to master one thing, then habit stack, then master the second thing, then stack another habit. The, the most important thing too is, it, it, for me, I get comfortable, my brain gets comfortable. So if I have a set routine and I'm doing it, I have to constantly give myself new challenges. Because if I don't, I get, the, the brain, man, boredom, it's, it's just, it's, yes. And back in um, pretty much every year of my adulthood, um, I've gotten depressed going into the winter months. And a lot of it just became, was because of my habits. The habits slip and then the negative self-talk starts. And it's just a, it's a, it's a train wreck. So I said in uh, June of 22, in order to combat that, going into that winter, I said, I'm going to go up to my local high school track every Saturday and Sunday morning, and I'm going to show up regardless of what the conditions are. So pouring rain. Um, and, and listen, the days when it was raining the hardest, when it was the coldest, when I went up there injured and I was, there was guys up there training with me and they're like, dude, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to hobble the track while you guys are walking and running sprints, and then I'm gonna do push-ups and sit-ups with you and anything else that I can do. I found myself on those days because the old me would have just said, ah, oh, screw this, man, I'm staying in bed. But then you don't create that new character. I had to completely bury Michael Brennan. So I like to go by Michael Thomas now, and Goggins is a major, major influence on that because I heard his story and listened to it and applied it to my life. A lot of people, they listen to these guys, they read their books, and it motivates them, but they fail to apply the knowledge. Mm -hmm. I see somebody like that with a story like that, and I'm like, how can, I, how can I use this? And the light bulb went off. I haven't missed a day at the track since. You know, so it's, uh, it's just, it's keeping your word to yourself. You say something like that, and you never break your word, it changes your entire life, your entire life. Uh, well, Mike, you have been just a constant reminder of what, you know, authenticity, what discipline, what consistency, 
what non-negotiable really represents. Thank you. And I know, let's make sure to give him a huge applause because this was one of the biggest fears I know that this man has had is public speaking and you just crushed it, man. Thanks for being here today. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. So one last thing. So when I hired my, uh, when I hired my coach, one of the first things that he asked me was, what are your biggest fears? And um, public speaking was number one. When I was in high school, numerous times called upon, even in college, I would literally shake. I would shake. Um, so, you know, I built my confidence through keeping my word to myself. And uh, that's why I'm here today, to show other people they can do it too. Wow, man. That, awesome. Michael Thomas. Thank you so, Thank you so, much, so much for having me, man. I appreciate you guys. You got it. Awesome, man. That was powerful. Woo. I was. <laughs> I think the room, we cried, we laughed. <laughs> Thanks, Everybody, it's like a movie, man. Love that's that. Exactly. Love that. That's and that's why Michael's going to be speaking more because, as you can see, he's definitely that dude can uh, speak, and he's got great <laughs> stories. When he was in my 100%. community, when we had the coaching community, um, Mike was always he was the one speaking the most, always sharing, very vulnerable and authentic. And you can see a lot of his stories and content are going to change uh, most folks for the better. Awesome. Well, let Justin. All right, last, last but not least. Here. All right, so as somebody who is not great with finances a lot of time, you can see I surround myself with uh, some great financial minds so I have people I can lean on. I'm a big advocate for not seeking opinions but seeking counsel. And Matthew Little, owner of Exit 4 Wealth Partners, is here to uh, explain to us, you know, we've gone over uh, mindset and growth in that regard. We've gone over business finances with projections um, and forecasting, which again, didn't realize we're different. Now I know. <laughs> Mike just touched us with that, with what discipline, what with pain, with, with non-negotiables, what that can do. So a great way to wrap this up with a ribbon. Let's talk about personal finances. And let's start with, you know, going into, you know, holiday season, people are spending a ton of money on gifts. Inflation, depending on who you ask, is up or it doesn't exist. And, you know, wages have been pretty steady through the years. So. How do folks get ahead and create a budget? And first off, Matt, thanks for being here with us today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having us. It's wonderful being here. I'm going to take a little bit of an abnormal route with this conversation. We're talking about health and wellness. We're talking about mentality. Uh, we just had a wonderful discussion around what I surmise as inventory. Um, and I think that a lot of folks in this day and age aren't doing a good enough job of taking inventory over their financial well-being. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Wall Street, um, I've been part of Wall Street for 22 years. Our business has been around it since the core. And there's some changes that are occurring. And if you take a look at what's been happening with financial well-being around investment management, around tax, um, the media has done a really nice job of taking the emotion intentionally out of money. And I would tell you that's probably the first core mistake, and it's one of the foundational differences about Exit 4, about the mentality that we take as we're engaging with folks like everybody that's in here. Um, financial planning is a lifestyle. It's a decision. Many people don't make that decision. Retirement planning, liquidity planning, business succession planning, these are decisions that come as part of being prudent and making prudent decisions with your financial well-being. So I'm going to go back to the beginning and I want to kind of demystify this. If financial planning is part of your lifestyle, how do you go about getting organized? 
So let's start at the beginning. We use the word budget, we use the word forecast. Um, I think that there's a step prior to it and it's actually establishing a relationship with the professionals that you're looking to help you. It, over time, I think we just take this route of trusting folks that we may have been referred to or that may have been on TV or that we may have read an article about. And I think that's a great way to get started. Uh, but if this is somebody or a team that's going to be critical to your well-being from now and into the future, there's probably some, some considerations that we, should, that we should take and we should probably educate ourselves about how to go about this process. So let's start with the basics, right? We've got to establish a relationship. And as we establish a relationship with a professional, there's also an accountability measure that we need to put into place. And I'll get to that in a few moments. So as we've kind of encountered upon this relationship, we've got to get organized. And how do you get organized? We've got to gather the information that's pertinent to solving the problem that we're smart enough to realize that we had in the beginning. So how do we gather the things that we're not necessarily day in and day out dealing with because we're not going through this process or going through this exercise successfully? I think the professional that you hire is there to help guide you on that. They're there to help you wrap your arms around all of the different pieces that make up your life. And sometimes even though we may own businesses and although we may have had successes, we're not doing a good enough job of assessing where we are at the moment that we're engaging in the decision to hire these professionals. The second part after you get through the gathering of the information is the professional and yourself should really assess where are you relative to that goal. So whether it's forecasting, whether it's probability analysis, whether it's using straight line engineering math, like a lot of folks have done over time, we need to have a barometer to determine where are we relative to the goal that we hired this gentleman or this female to help us with. That process is the key to this. We're engaged in a process because money, because finance is part of the lifestyle and we made this to be a decision. It wasn't just something that we stepped upon. The process of financial planning is something that has to be woven into every decision that we're making. We've got to acknowledge the impact of money, the behavioral constraints that it has on us, because um, we're all different. Every one of us is different. We all view money differently. One of the first questions we ask everybody that we sit with is, what does money mean to you? And Justin, I may have asked you that when we sat down a few weeks ago. Putting the construct around that allows us to do something that most of these processes that we've either went into with an algorithm or that we've went into with the help of some other counsel or maybe with the company that we're working or running and the guidance that they provide to us. These, these particular processes, I think, ultimately allow you to answer the question that most of you may have as well, which is, how do I understand ultimately whether the person that I hired is doing what it is that I hired them to do for me? And it goes back to step one. We've got to engage in a process where we've defined fee is not a dirty word, right? And that as part of our life, we're engaging with professionals to complement our own intellectual capabilities. That we on our own can drive a higher internal rate of return with our business and our family and our mentality and our well-being because that's what we're uniquely qualified to do. The professionals that we bring into this, I think if we can give an understanding to these particular people, what we're trying to accomplish over the course of time, these are not numerical things. These are behavioral. 
These are emotional. We need to be able to understand how we can tie these things all in together to ultimately have the outcome that we're looking to have. Uh, a really important part of that, I, I, I would say, is, is how do we monitor this? So if we've hired the right people, we've gone through a process, we understand what it is ultimately that we're trying to accomplish, how do we monitor this? And I think this is the key to the beginning of the relationship. We've, we've, set a, we've set a standard to be able to abide by over the course of time, whether we're using financial projections, we're ultimately looking year in and year out to determine where are we relative to those particular goals, those particular objectives. And did the advisory team, did the professionals that I hired, the accountant, the insurance professional, the financial professional, the exit planning professional, did they as a team help me get closer to the ultimate goal than I was at before? And when you're sitting down with your professionals, I would, I would really take a look under the hood and say, did I hire these particular people just to invest money? Did I hire these people to be behavioral coaches? Did I hire these people to help me navigate my business or their personal well-being of my family? Or all of those things. Because there can be different people that, that fill those roles in each of our lives. Once we finally have defined all of that, we've gotten to the point where you know, we're monitoring, we're working a plan, the advisor's role is being mandated, the mandate's being fulfilled, we're working a program. That's when we get to start this whole thing over again. We've got to regather. We may have grown out of the professional relationships that we first hired to embark upon this journey. We may need to redefine the goals, the objectives that we all have as we're, as we're going through that. Um, but I think that as we're going through that process, it will do what Justin had asked, which is, it'll start to define where are we relative to being able to save money? How do we save the money? Where do we budget? Why are we budgeting? Because this is now based on intention, okay? So I'll go back to the first word that I, I, I used, which was inventory. I think inventory is a really a good word for this today because we've gotta be able to collect all of the information, including our thoughts, including the format, including the data, including the statements, including our tax returns, to be able to at least sit down to assess this. And I don't think that most people are doing that in this day and age, okay? Um. That's, that, that's a great start with this. So now we've somewhat, we have a relationship set up with the advisor or a team, depending on what we're doing. We're going ahead with creating this budget for the reasons rather than, I would agree, I think most people just like throwing spaghetti on the wall. They're like, I make X, I can spend this much that leaves $10,000, I guess that'll just be savings. So when we have the relationship, we have a bit of a budget. If there is that money left over, what and how should people like look to diversify? Sure. So each of these items is, 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 a, is a goal, right? We've airmarked $10,000 a month or a year to be able to save discretionarily. Where do we put it? Why do we put it there? And how do we determine if it's working? Um, this is naturally goes back to family structure. So historically speaking, there's been an emphasis on retirement planning. You work your entire career, you accumulate wealth, and at some point you push a button and you move into this different part where now you've got to distribute the assets that you've accumulated over the course of time, whether you work for ExxonMobil as a manager or whether or not you owned a business. It's the same type of structure, but the fact of the matter is things are a lot more dynamic than that. Um, folks are having children at a older age, therefore they're children are younger as they're later in life, they're more of a burden of education is falling on their hands. Um, the government around taxes, taxes is really the answer to this question. 
we've got to look and define each particular person's tax situation. And ultimately, why are we trying to save money? Is it airmarked towards retirement? Is it airmarked towards a business succession? Is it airmarked towards creating shareholder wealth for employees that may have worked for you over the course of time? And upon an exit, you want to provide them liquidity and provide them a benefit for working for you. There's a lot of different ways to answer this question, but it comes back to defining in your plan where that dollar that you're able to save should go and why. Now I'll give the keys to the castle. Kind of our view right now is, is we need to be able to put money into Roth we need to stuff the Roth like a pig. We need to put as much money into these particular structures as we can because of taxes. If there's any guarantee, it's that taxes are not gonna go down, correct? So if we defer that to later, you know, we're kind of risking, is it gonna be at 60%? Could it be something absurd where all that money we stacked away now is worth practically nothing? nothing. Yeah. yeah, 15, 20 years ago, the concept of a Roth IRA was new. Um, so based on the, the, the group that's here, grandparents, great-grandparents, they didn't have these options available to them. They're new. One of the newer things that we all need to be aware of as it pertains to saving money and where to budget and where to deploy capital is something called the Retirement Secure Act. Um, about a 250-plus page document that defines how you get to take your money out of your retirement accounts something that I think that you should probably uh, take a cursory review of. Um, but in short, I think the answer to the question is, where do I save money and why? This is not a cookie cutter answer. Every person that sits in this room has a different set of circumstances. So that I think working with your professional group will help you to define where that dollar should go. But the fact that you know and that it's a important part of your inventory that you're raising capital to set aside for a goal, whether it's education, whether it's healthcare and retirement, whether it's retirement itself, um, you're ahead, right? We're in a fortunate position from that perspective. Great, I love the idea of the emotional connection, having the intention and the why to everything. I think those are three important things everybody should look at when they're making these decisions. That was great, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for jumping on, Matt. Matt Little. It's been awesome having you. Exit for Wealth Partners. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Man, that was uh, that was like a whirlwind. I feel like we blinked and that, that whole hour went by. This yeah. is uh, hopefully all those viewers out there, everybody enjoyed uh, a little bit of a different backdrop, a little different of an experience this time. Yep. And uh, it was amazing doing this with you as always, Ty Guy. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for everybody who came out here live to see us. That's awesome. Thanks to Chuck for allowing us to do this. If that's the Fox yeah. game a hand in Clarksboro, New Jersey. Brewery, coffee, whatever you need. They got it here. Higher grounds in Glassboro as well. New yep, location. other location in Glassboro. Um, yeah, so also, I don't think we, we might not have mentioned on the podcast why these toys are here on the table. Um, we're also doing a donation, Toys for Tots. Uh, so for those in the audience who didn't listen, we do have a box over there, <laughs> as well as QR codes um, around the uh, building here for Ronald McDonald House if you want to do a monetary uh, donation. But again, thank you, everybody, for uh, coming out. Thank you to our listeners for listening to our holiday special. Um, and thank Justin, you to all of our guests, of course, for being thank here you to and our sharing guests, the time yeah, with yeah. us. And sign us off, brother. As always, friends, make it the best day ever. Best day ever, See guys. you all next time.